With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Go on! Go on! Sometimes longer isn't better. So if you're looking for a fantasy NFL game that doesn't last all season, try Paddy Power Fantasy. Every game week is a season in itself. Try it for free on our super short, super free contest on this Sunday's 6pm games. The top 1,500 customers in the contest win a prize with £1,000 for first place. Search Paddy Power Fantasy to pick your team. Paddy Power Fantasy. Hate waiting, love winning. Paddy Power Fantasy rules apply. Team plus Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show presented by Paddy Power Fantasy. Get involved with daily fantasy football this season, gang. Head on over to fantasy.paddypower.com. Some cracking Sunday tournaments going on. You can build a new team every week as well. So if you're as bad at fantasy as I am, doesn't matter. Just uh, tear it up and start again the following week. Now then, Nicky Bandini coming up shortly to make some kind of sense of upset Sunday in the NFL. That's what we're calling it. The Bucks Rams shootout. That's going to get center stage. What about those Cleveland Browns? Feel free, gang, to roll back to Friday's show to check who picked the Browns for the shot win because I want medals I want rosettes I want a trophy on a blue plaque uh, and those Raiders how about those Raiders London bound off the back of a stonking win over the Colts there's so much to get into uh, with Nikki so we're checking with her very shortly speaking of the Raiders we'll be at training on Wednesday me and I might getting into it uh, we've got Jeff Dickerson from ESPN uh, coming over on Friday's show as well so a big week in store as we build up to the first London game of this season. Incidentally, uh, Nikki is our guest, uh, as I say, on today's show. You can catch her on ESPN Siri Awesome Podcast with Gab Marcotti, uh, Mina Rizuki, uh, each and every week. Listen, download, subscribe on all good podcatches. Uh, we may even grab Gab to come on and talk about his beloved Philadelphia Eagles at some stage of the season. Uh, that would be good fun. Uh, at the NC Show, that's how you follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Loads of bonus stuff flying out there all week long. Right then. Let's get into it. Week four in the NFL. Let's try and make some sense of it. Hey, Nikki, always good to catch up with you, making your, your season debut as well. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Let's get straight into it. Let's start with Sunday Night Football uh, and that 12-10 thriller. Should we be taking the Saints seriously as NFC contenders, Nikki? Even though, look, Brees is out, what, for supposedly five weeks he's back, but we just don't quite know with that type of injury, just how ready he's going to be in that time frame. But that's what they're optimistically shooting at. They are in a wide open division. Every other team in there is a flawed at best. Um, so assuming that they're going to stay in contention in the division, should we be taking them seriously beyond that? With Brees coming back and they're winning games ugly, but getting them done like this uh, in the NFC championship race. Yeah, I mean, why wouldn't we? For, for starters, they they could have gone to the Super Bowl last year if it weren't for some uh, officiating that that didn't break their way. Perhaps I mean, obviously there was more to be done still. But um, I suppose that the, the reason I asked the question is, I guess that when Breeze went down and the assumption yes. that he's going to miss six, seven games, most people felt that was probably the end of the Saints season. That seemed to yes. be the consensus. And I think that's what's fascinating about this team right now is that um, Teddy Teddy Bridge over troubled water has not been that good. <laughs> um, you know, he's not been um, 
you look at some of the other situations uh, around the league where you've had a quarterback get injured and something interesting has happened. Obviously, we're going to talk later in the show about Gardner Minshew again. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and it's not, it's not that. It's not that Breeze has gone down and someone has come in who's managed to make you forget that Drew Breeze is gone. I was painfully aware all through this game that Drew Breeze wasn't there. But the defense is so good that you can get away with it. And I think that's what really actually makes it such an encouraging situation for the Saints. If they can win um, without Drew Brees, then it opens up the possibility of, of how good the team um, still has within it to be. Yeah, um, winning without a touchdown. That's uh, the first yeah. win without a touchdown since 1998, would you believe? So yeah. extraordinary stuff there. That's, that's quite got, something, um, actually, yeah. They've got the Bucks, uh, Jags, Bears cards, your cards, the Falcons is mm-hmm. their next. Five games, so that is a, a, a very certainly looking at that. You would say four of those are, 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 are very winnable for the Saints in mm-hmm. the form there, and four out of five, and uh, and then supposedly uh, the Maestro returns. So we shall see. What about the Cowboys? Deeply disappointing, of course. How much of this should be put on Prescott because he had the Witten fumble, the Zeke fumble uh, as well, and um, he's getting a lot of criticism. I think particularly this seems to be accentuated because of the forthcoming big bucks contract that he's expecting to get right and i guess he he is going to get unless uh they go on some kind of crazy tilt so how much of last night was on uh, that press court do you think yeah it's a it's a really tricky one to, to judge him because if you'd asked me just before this game i was feeling really optimistic about him and now suddenly you look at the games he's played this season and think well okay so he beat he beat up on the Giants, Redskins and, and the Dolphins. How much do we put stock in that anymore when he comes up against one good defense? I mean, the Saints were really good on defense. I think we have to give credit to, to Marshall Latimore for the job that he did on Amari Cooper, because Amari Cooper, who I know you love in Dallas. Love Amari um, Cooper. I thought he was, yeah, he was just taken out of the game completely. Mm. Randall Cobb was the guy who I thought they did sometimes leave, but he was dropping too many passes. And then you shut down Ezekiel Elliott as well. And so I think there's so much, so much right in the Saints defense that, I, you know, that, that you sort of need that to temper things. But at the same mm. time, when you're talking about a quarterback not being able to throw for barely a hundred yards in a game, um, then yes, if if you're an elite quarterback, you can do that in every game, right? If you're an elite quarterback, you you find ways against any defense to do more than what um, Dak Prescott did in this game, and and I think it's it's you know the, the problem that we come to always with quarterbacks is there's. Um, there's a desire to, to bracket people into, into great or, or, or trash. And mm. in reality, there's very few quarterbacks who are really at that level where they transcend, where they can always give you something. Um, and Dak Prescott is not in that category. Yeah. Um, is he in the category of still really flipping good? I think I'm still inclined to believe that he's on the verge of becoming, of taking it up a level, of being something, you know, really good in this league. But he, yeah, he found a, he found an opponent last night that certainly after the, the, the softness that he'd encountered so far this season was just at a completely different level and, and he wasn't ready for it. Okay. Uh, well, the Saints get it done. On to the Bucks, a, a diametric opposite game, of course, yeah. for them, uh, against the Rams. They lit up the Coliseum, Tampa Bay. 55 40 the final the Rams never really seemed in it I know at one point I think they got the lead down to five I think if my math is correct but they never seemed like they were uh, gonna catch him how good did James Winston look I mean he is uh yeah. extraordinarily developed I mean you know, Bruce Arians is a hell of a, a quarterback whisperer but I mean this mm. is uh it was an extraordinary performance really one of the best maybe the best I've ever seen from him in the NFL 
Yeah, I mean, it's, we're again, we're in this territory of, of trying to work out how far I can and can't react to things because I, I <laughs> love this performance and I love Bruce Arians. I mean, I'm, I'm a Cardinals fan, as you've already mentioned. So Bruce Arians is, is right up there in the pantheon of people who've made me happiest in, <laughs> in watching the NFL. So, so I, I, I love what he does and he's obviously um, got a great track record with quarterbacks. I think that the one, um, criticism that you could sometimes have of Bruce Arians is it's, it's not always subtle. It's, it's, we're just going to drop back and keep launching it on you. We're going to yeah. keep. We're going to keep going downfield on you over and over again. And, and it's certainly exposed um, uh, a Rams defense that wasn't equipped to handle that. Right. Uh, Marcus Peters was, 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 was ugly, but I think it's also comes to the pass rush and, and, and the inability to, to get that because I think that is how you attack this, um, this Buccaneers uh, offense is to not let him sit in the pocket for as long as he needs to get that ball downfield. Um, so it's again, there's so many sort of things that make me wary of jumping on this as uh, yeah, getting carried away. There's, there's, you know, there's the factor of Winston might not have had a game like this before, but he's had he's had not just games, he's had stretches before in his career where you thought, oh, he is really something. He's the real deal. He's right. Yeah, he, he's wildly inconsistent, infuriating. Yeah. So, but here's a question for you, Nikki. So we're talking Dak and the Cowboys getting the deal done, which is tricky for them, of course, because they've all just paid Zeke and Amari Cooper's going to want to get paid. And a lot of people are talking about that as the window for, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, but we assume they will. Winston's at a different collection of quarterbacks at the moment. Marcus Mariotto had the win last night as well, is in that group of, you see, his future career rides a lot on what happens this season, I think. We've got a tweet in from, uh, this is maybe my favorite Twitter handle uh, of the season so far, from DK Metcalf's calf. <laughs> if, you, if you follow me, Nikki, DK Metcalf's calf asks, asks us, do you pay Winston? So uh, is that kind of following on from what you said? It's still too early mm-hmm. to tell? Or given what you said about the collection of quarterbacks you have in the NFL and very few are super top draw elite, is it better the devil you know? Um, my inclination is that you should just because you've made this decision to go with Bruce Arians. Um, if you sort of brought in someone who does something very specific. I mean, again, it's not new what Bruce Arians does. He's, he's taken a very similar approach everywhere he's been. And I think that Winston fits the bill of what you think a Bruce Arians quarterback looks like. I mean, in, in the first instance, he has the big arm, which is the, the main thing that you need to know. I mean, when Carson um, Palmer came to Arizona, you weren't talking about someone who had always performed to an elite level in his career, but you knew someone who you knew when he was healthy, at least, could launch a ball. And I think that's something that is so fundamental to the Arians' offense that if you're going to suddenly turn around a year from now and say, oh, we're going to get a new quarterback in, it, it raises a lot of questions right away. So to an extent, I feel like you have to keep him around with Arians. Arians has also come back to the game after a little pause, potentially quite late in his coaching career, doesn't want to necessarily um, um, be starting over again, having already started over this time, um, this season with, with Winston. So I, I th- I'm, I'm inclined to think you have to keep him around if you're keeping with Bruce Arians. How you do that, of course, is an open question. I mean, there's all sorts of ways you can approach this, um, from, from sticking the franchise tag on someone and effectively locking them into a one year deal to, to getting something more long term done. I'm inclined to think that you don't want to make it too long term. So perhaps that's the way to approach it. Mm, um, okay. Thanks for the tweet. Uh, DK Metcalf's cough. Thanks for your Twitter handle as well, which is brightened our day. The Rams interesting offensive game mm-hmm. plan from them Nikki they ran the ball 11 times that's in total mind yeah. you Jared Goff had 68 passing attempts so that tells you about their particular game plan here how worried should Rams fans be about about the balance and obviously that going into the season the Todd Gurley injury situation was a 
a shadow over the uh, you know their ambition and are we worried is that why that is happening that imbalance is happening I think the imbalance here is a product of game flow. And I do think that it's, it's justified in this situation. I think mm. that when you find yourself down big in a game, it does make sense to throw more often because throwing more often makes the game longer. Incomplete passes stop the clock. You're more likely to get out of bounds on a pass. Um, and the longer you can keep this game going, perhaps the more time you give yourself to force the turnovers that you need to, to turn things around. Right. It's just that that never quite happened for the Rams. I do think I have worries about Goff and his performance level. And mm. um, it's not just throwing the ball. And, and there was a, at least one of the interceptions in this game that was really ugly. But it's not just that. It's it's his ball security with fumbles that is becoming a really big concern. He's got 14 fumbles in his last 13 games, including the playoffs. Um, he's someone who came into the NFL with a, a knock for, for fumbling the ball too much. Um, I think it was 23 times in, in 37 games at, at Cal. But if you remember during his... Um, during his uh, combine uh, assessments, during mm. his um, scouting period, everyone was talking about whether or not his hands were big enough. Now, I'm not yeah, actually that's here, right. here to say that it's his hands that's causing this problem. I actually think that the, the problem with Goff might be as simple as he's holding onto the ball too long behind a line that is not good. Enough. I mean, the Rams had a, a much better offensive line last season, and I think they're um, coming into this Sunday that they, they'd already given up most most pressures in the league, so they are struggling up front. But I do think that one way or another, his ball security is becoming a really big issue for the for the Rams and um yeah I think that yes when you drop back 68 times you create more opportunities to turn the ball over yourself as well but I do think that's my biggest red flag for the Rams at the moment is whether or not Goff is going to get better at that. Mm, interesting interesting take on that and uh, another interesting take uh, or stat I should say uh, JB Long the writer pointed out this is the first time they've uh, been out of first place in the NFC West since Sean McVay was hired. So uh, it's the beginning of the end, clearly, for, <laughs> for the other Well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to, to, to pull back the curtain too far here, Nat, but on the, uh, on, on the running order for this show that I was sent, there was a question, <laughs> uh, is it the end of the Rams window already? Which, <laughs> even though it was a former Ram who put the nail in the coffin last night with, with Sue, yes, it was, um, yeah. I think that might be going just a tiny bit. Even by ridiculous overreactions that we've seen <laughs> uh, throughout the course of the season already, that is pretty strong. Um, I'm as astonished as you and indeed our, our listeners, Nikki, that there is a running order for, the, for this show. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The Bucks rolled to two and two. How about that? So they're right back in the, the thicker. That seems to be the very voguish record at the moment in the NFL. So many of these teams uh, on uh, two and two, very difficult uh, to work out after four weeks in the bag. Um, let's move on to another one of those enigmatic teams then that we uh, are head scratching as to, in terms of working out what they're all about, whether they're legit or not. They certainly looked it against the Ravens last night. What a performance from the Cleveland Browns rolling Baltimore. Nick Chubb on fire. He had three touchdowns, including that extraordinary 88 yarder. Jarvis Landry uh, getting it done as well. 167 yards for him. They put up 40 points on this Ravens. D, supposedly solid Ravens D, Nicky, without needing Odell Beckham at all. Uh, NFL Research pointed out that Beckham went three quarters without a catch for the first time in his career. Picked up a couple at the end, but uh, they didn't need him. What a performance Mm. from Baker Mayfield and the Browns just when they needed it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's a, a key point because you were looking at this stretch they got into at the start of this season, and actually, it's it's a tough run of games that they've got in a in a year which they've come into on such a sort of wave of of, of emotion and expectation, and it, it could have got really ugly. I think if they'd lost this game and, and and could easily have slipped all the way to to something like five and one before you start making another game and thinking they're going to win it. But they were that's, a different that's team. That's absolutely right. That's the key with them, isn't it? That there's this um, sense with them that they well, as they demonstrated yesterday, pretty convincingly, that they can light up the NFL yeah. and obviously with that collection of playmakers of, of course there's always going to be that potential but they're compelling they're fascinating to watch aren't they because you just think with, and, and Freddie Kitchens is part of that narrative as well we were talking about it on on the radio show last night that is he the kind of guy that can manage a, a collection of egos in a locker room when he seems to be one of the boys uh he's had some very mysterious play calling but then some brilliant and dynamic play calling the Ravens game last night. He's as much of a roller coaster as his teammates. Probably that's why the, the Browns are this kind of roller coaster ride. And, and you just want to watch them week in, week out to know what you get. Yeah, absolutely. And what was it? The first, um, season opener was it 18 penalties they had, three turnovers. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. it was hideous. Um, yeah. and, uh, and, and this, um, and, and this was, I think the word you used there, creativity is such an important one. I think last season, what excited us about Kitchens was how creative that offense got, the use of misdirection. And, and finally, we saw a bit more of that in this game. And I think that's maybe something that they had lost and just needed to, to, to rediscover. Yeah. Um, I think it's obviously also about, um, about the matchup with Baltimore. And, and, and there's, there's something on the other side of the ball, which is, I mean, first of all, Steve Wilkes doing a, a pretty good job, I think, with that defense in Cleveland, but also, um, this sort of fascinating Lamar Jackson story and, and, and the Ravens right. offense. And, and that, again, something that's in the right matchups, but, you do start to ask questions about whether or not it's it's too much of a gimmick. Is it too much of something that you can suss out? And once you have, um, yes, does he have the answers that we thought he did? I mean, in the first couple of weeks of the season, I was thinking Lamar Jackson was throwing the ball so well mm. downfield, but we haven't really seen that, um, certainly from an accuracy standpoint, in the last couple of games. So, And the first two games of the season were, of course, against... Uh, the Dolphins and the Cardinals, who are yeah, probably exactly. the two weakest or two of the weakest uh, sides. Very in, possibly going to be the, the two worst records in the league this season, I think. So, what yeah. stood out as well in this one, on that note, was how well the Cleveland defense managed without Denzel Ward or Greedy Williams. You know, two two starters in their secondary, both out, and uh, didn't seem to matter at all. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's a great point. Um, they they they've they've rolled with a a few disruptions. Uh, the Browns, um, wasn't it also um. Uh, defensive end Chris Smith, I believe his his girlfriend, uh, his partner died in a car accident. That's um, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just been a lot going on for that team, uh, and uh, and yes, Steve Wilkes, who um, perhaps not someone as a um, who I've always had the. He's no Bruce Arians. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's no Bruce Arians, but but he's done a good job this season, or at least he's he's done a very good job in this game, certainly. Yeah, he's one of those one of those guys in the NFL, isn't he? That didn't quite work as a head coach could might get another shot mm. at it but seems to be a I mean, he, he got like a bit of a short straw that, that i slightly sort of caught myself as i started to say it because i do think he got a very tough situation that he walked into in arizona i think he slightly was um was never really given an opportunity even though he was there but yes he didn't do a great job with what he had and now i should uh, point out Nikki, that I picked the Browns for the upset on Friday. And I'm not doing that I because heard, I want to. I I want to. Yes. <laughs> you are doing everybody's it talking about. <laughs> I just want to point out that we put a poll out on off the back uh-huh. of that on social media, um, asking the same question, which I think was maybe a slightly loaded uh, attempt at uh, 
<laughs> throw shade on me, shall we say, by by the gang on social. And I think 82% or something said the Ravens were going to win this one. So uh, I'm particularly <laughs> smug <laughs> about the Browns bringing it. I love that a second ago you were saying, I'm not doing this. You're absolutely yeah. doing it just to, <laughs> just to rub it in for everyone. <laughs> hey, you've got to grab these few opportunities when you can. The wrong night you know, out of 100. Listen, I remember last season when I said that the Colts were going to the playoffs and <laughs> yeah, I didn't stop yeah. talking about it for the whole season. So I get That's it. true. That is a fair point, actually. You the Colts last season <laughs> Amari Cooper deal That's, I just yeah. harp on about that I will stop talking about Amari Cooper I promise uh, let's move on to another upset uh, with uh, the Raiders beating the Colts mm. 31-24 and again much like the game between Tampa Bay and LA and LA rather that even though the, the scoreline suggests it was pretty tight it wasn't really uh, in my eyes at all the Raiders in, in control of this one for most of it so are we underestimating the Raiders Nikki or overestimating the Colts um Again, I sort of want to come back to the coach with the Raiders. Um, yeah. Is you know, has Gruden always been doing a, a great job with this team? I don't know. I, I could have some criticisms. I think in this game, he did a better job getting back to Josh Jacobs in particular in the running game. I think that's um, when you look at that um, Raiders offense at the moment. It feels to me like, um, along with Darren Waller, who's having an absolutely sort of astonishing yeah. Um, yeah. breakout, um, that's the most reliable element. Um, and and when they haven't gone to that uh, it, at times this season, it, it's frustrated me. And I think he got back to that there in this game. And um, yes, Jacobs looks to me like he's going to be a real talent. I think, uh, I think I saw he's already got um, the most running max, um, the most rushing yards, sorry, of, uh, of any Raiders running back in his first four games. So I think they need to ride that. It's going to go slightly against the, the theme of the NFL at the moment to, to, to ride your running game. But I think that's, more reliable than, than trusting too much still in, in Derek Carr, who's a quarterback who I just at this point think we, we know who he is. He's going to have his moments, but he's also going to frustrate us a lot as well. Um, so I think that the Raiders were definitely better. Um, they also got uh, big plays when they needed it, Eric Harris and that pick six. Um, but uh, the Colts certainly have have um, have their problems as well. Yeah, they do. Isn't it an interesting performances as far as it was very disappointing after I think a lot of people had talked the Colts up particularly going into to week four you make a great point about the coaching and John Gruden I think a lot of people were expecting him to fall on his face with this Raiders gig and he still might mm. of course you know he's only in the second year of it and it's they're hardly the finished article but when you consider the turbulent offseason that they had uh, particularly without the Antonio Brown situation obviously but they've got a really young roster they've got I think more rookies in their roster than any other team. I think I might, I'm sure someone will correct me on uh, our listeners, but they've certainly got a very young uh, uh, thread going through. And as you point out, Mm -hmm. that's what a really good spine building to the team. Waller's a fascinating story. And I think Gruden is doing a really impressive job at the moment. And they've been on the road a lot as well. Now they're in London and, uh, well, they have, they have this extraordinary situation where I think some, it's, it's more than 40 days. Um, I think they go without a home game mm. because their home game is in London. Um, you know, they're, they're more than a month on the road, which is, is quite something to ask of any team. It really is. So uh, the Raiders are London bound, of course, and we'll be uh, getting up close and personal. We'll be doing the show on Wednesday uh, from uh, Raiders training. So uh, looking forward uh, to that. And hopefully it'll be a little bit more orderly than uh, their appearance last year. 
which was pretty yeah, pretty dysfunctional. Yeah. Remember the press conference starting yes. early and uh, all <laughs> kinds of other fun and games. I actually had to interview Amari Cooper. That was days before he was dealt, which was amongst the more awkward interviews of my uh, of my career. Uh, so hopefully it'll be a little bit more fluent this time. Let's move on to um, another upset. And Kyle Allen and the Panthers beating a very disappointing Texans. And uh, Kyle Allen in particular, I mean, outside of his, his performance and, and back-to-back wins, Vicky, ducking under yeah. that... Incoming JJ Watt was uh, maybe the most impressive move I think I've seen uh, from any, certainly the smartest move from any quarterback I've seen all season. Yes, I, I think that was um, one of the, the sort of standout highlight moments of, of the weekend in terms of just like a clippable moment um, because it's JJ Watt as well, and you sort of see him and you have expectations of him, and and um, to see someone who had no expectations on him, someone who wasn't even supposed to be playing, uh, slip away from him and, and just disappear right. like that was, was thrilling. Such a and, good point. The fact it was him, that has such a good point that, it, you know, yeah. I mean, if Mahomes, you kind of, you could buy, right? But yeah, the guy that we barely know anything about, does it? It was we're a brilliant, brilliant move. And, and this is sort of coming back to um, what I was saying before about the Saints. Um, you have the opposite scenario here where, again, like Minshew as well with, with the Jaguars, you're beginning to think, has this sort of quarterback injury, are they actually going to be better off for it? Are they going to be, right. um, yeah, is, is, is Alan going to provide them with better solutions than, than Cam Newton was? You know, it's a really, it's a really fascinating dynamic that, but certainly he outshone Deshaun Watson in this game. And, and, and that's no small feat for someone who, again, we're only just discovering in the league. It's a really fascinating point. And there are others we can, we'll talk about the bills later on as well. And the situation, uh, there with uh, with Josh Allen, which uh, is coming into focus, really. A lot of criticism for him. We'll get into that in a bit. I want to go next, though, to uh, the Chiefs-Lions game because it was almost an upset uh, mm. from the Lions. And what a valiant performance from them. Um, crazy game as well. I mean, 34-30, the final. That third quarter was uh, was extraordinary. Five fumbles in there, which, um, again, statistically, I think uh, that's the most... Uh, in a single quarter, the most collective or combined fumbles in a quarter for uh, the best part of 30 years. Uh, 1991, I think, was the last time that happened, according to NFL stats. A, a game where Stafford outgunned Mahomes, uh, didn't he? Uh, he? I think he did, if you look at it in yeah. totality. But, of course, the MVP had the last laugh. What a drive he masterminded to to put them in front, and that's where they stayed. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, what was... Uh, Sort of, well, there were lots of layers that were fascinating to this game. First of all, um, I enjoyed hugely that we got an actual hook and ladder play from uh, Travis Kelsey to LaShawn McCoy, which I, yes. there's a lot of discussion about whether or not this was planned. It looked pretty ad-libbed and, and actually sort of one of those moments that could have backfired horribly, but, but because it didn't, felt really critical because what the um, Lions did so well in this game, I thought, was take away the deep the deep ball from um, Mahomes. Mahomes uh, is the best in the league at, at getting behind defense, at, at getting over a defense, at, at hitting those long strikes that just make it sort of feel so impossible to keep up with Kansas City. If you, if you keep getting burned like that, um, it can just become something where you feel like you have no hope. Whereas the Lions kept everything in front of them and, and sure that uh, the Chiefs still move the ball plenty, but Mahomes himself not... Um, Am I getting mixed up here? I don't think he threw a touchdown pass. Did he? It was all... No, nope. um, you're right. Yeah, no, he did, didn't. He, um, he passed 300 yards, but didn't throw a yeah. touchdown. And that's it. So you, you kept you kept the, the you kept everything in front of your defense and you made him work for it. Now, it turns out that Mahomes is, he's that good. He can still do it when you keep it in front of him, but he's going to do it 
less. He's going to not be able to put it, put up quite as many points. He's going to be something you can actually play against rather than always having to chase. And I think that um, is so much easier said than done. I think it's not as, you know, you don't just drop your whole team deep. That doesn't, that isn't how football works. It requires sophisticated coaching, which I think Matt Patricia and his staff really delivered in this game. Mm. Um, so it was fascinating from that point of view that they did such a good job. It was then fascinating in turn to see um, uh, Mahomes respond to that. And I think he did keep control of his emotions and not let the fact that they were playing from behind at times stop him from, from, from playing the game intelligently. Um, and yes, then fascinating to find the solutions that a team comes up with to a defense that is doing that, that is making them have to graph every yard. And I think that moment, that pitch from uh, Kelsey to McCoy was exemplary of, of a team that has so many solutions in it, that has so much, um, I don't know, uh, innovation as well within the way it views the game that uh, they were able to come up with something spontaneous as well. Yeah, that, absolutely. I wonder if that is a really fascinating question that you pose as to how scripted that was or how much that's just engendered in their mindset by Andy Reid. And, you know, they, they maybe play around with that sort of thing mm. in practice. And Reid says, look, if you feel like you want to do it, and it, it you know, the timing is right, just go, go ahead and do it. Um, if, if there's any head coach in the NFL that is able to uh, command that type of confidence in his, in his players, and, uh, you'd imagine it is Andy Reid. And uh, given everything he's achieved still, uh, bringing that type of exhilarating stuff week in, week out, fascinating. Uh, just a quick line on, Matt Patricia and and the Lions, because you alluded to it, I think, in terms of his coaching performance. And he's garnering a lot of respect and a lot more respect than many were giving him at the, the start of the season. The Lions could quite conceivably be 4-0, of course. They uh, blew that game uh, against Arizona. They should have won that game. Uh, and I know you can go through so many matches and say, well, you should have won it. Uh, but they could conceivably be, be 4-0. Uh, should we take him seriously as uh, as playoff contenders, do you think? Yeah, it's it's it's... um. I think it's hard not to take them seriously if they have contenders, if they can produce that sort of performance against the Chiefs. I think that's, mm. that's a real, even in defeat, and it's, it's, um, it's a short season in the NFL. So often there's a danger in sort of putting too much stock in positive defeats. But to me, this was, yes, for a team that a lot of people, as you say, were not convinced by Patricia. I wasn't especially convinced by Patricia last season, although he did, he did get his sort of individual games here and there, which made you think. Um, I think they do feel like a, a team and a, and a project that's moving in the right direction. And perhaps, again, we sort of talked, uh, joked about um, sort of knee-jerk reactions here already. Perhaps we are too quick to, to make judgments of, of coaches. And perhaps actually this is only now that we're really starting to see his mark on this Lions team. Yeah, I guess he's slightly tarred by that brush of, Belichick lieutenants that haven't played out uh, as head coaches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wonder if that had something to do with it. Uh, but it's, as well. you know, it, it is only his second season. I think that's exactly. the thing. I think there was so many people sort of wanted to, to, to make judgments on him on the basis of one, six and 10 season. Give, give the guy a second year, you know, give him a chance. Um, well, obviously someone that's been around in the gig for a long old time and he isn't looking like he's going to be hanging him up anytime soon. Uh, Belichick and the Patriots, who once again have, have redefined themselves. I mean, here's a team that is completely defense driven at the moment. Tom Brady, listen to his, well, you will know it, but listeners who maybe didn't uh, look at the detail, uh, his line against the Bills, 18 of 39, so less than 50% completion, 150 mm-hmm. yards, 3.8 average per completion, no touchdowns, an interception, his quarterback rating, Nikki, 45.9. How about that? Yep. 
Uh, he, I mean, I can I can throw even more stats at this. Oh, bring him. His his first game without a touchdown and with at least one interception since 2017. But his first game averaging fewer than four yards per passing attempt since 2006. Now, I mean, first of all, it's one of those stats that reminds you just how long uh, Tom Brady has been playing. Yeah. But also, I mean, this was um this was a like it was one of the best defensive performances that you're going to see out of a team. Um, definitely this season and perhaps in several seasons from the Bills. I mean, they did things to Tom Brady that no one has succeeded in doing. Um, and it was all for nothing because, because they couldn't get anything on their own offense as well. But it was a really, um, and I, I sort of am caught thinking to myself, even as I'm saying this, that earlier in this show, I was saying, Oh, but you know, a great quarterback finds a way to get more than, um, you know, to do something as a defense, uh, in criticism, I was saying that of Dak Prescott, well, even a great yeah. quarterback couldn't do something against this Bills defense. Um, and, and actually, you know, you, you sort of flip it around and you look at the fact that, um, the, the Bills did turn the ball over so many times with two different quarterbacks. And, and you think, well, it was inevitable that if you do that, that eventually the Pats were going to find a way. But actually, the Pats scored on a, on a punt return. Yeah. It's not even It's not even that, that if you just distill this to a, a battle of offenses against defenses that the Pats won it. The Pats won the game. The difference in terms of the points comes from a punt return. Um, and it's worth so, putting out on that one, just because it was Matthew Slater as well, who is this team captain of the Patriots, has been there for years. He's one of... Uh, the real leaders in that team, but of course, an, an unsung hero in many respects to the, to the casual eye. How much Belichick invests in special teams? He always mm. has, always will. Uh, and it's a game like that that turned obviously completely on that, uh, on that play. And, uh, it was special teams that, that got him the win. Just a quick line, Nikki, on Josh Allen, who, mm. as I mentioned earlier on, under a fair amount of scrutiny at the moment, he before he went out of the game, and as you alluded to, Matt Barkley came in, Allen knocked out of the game. Uh, through three picks, he'd uh, been sacked four times. Afterwards, uh, Coach McDermott said he didn't take what the defense was giving him. He's got to learn from that. Now, that's pretty straight talking, and that's what I think we're used to from Coach McDermott, and he's not dressing it up any other way and patronizing Allen. At the same time, I read that, or heard that with uh, an understandable amount of frustration, and you're right. If if the defense is playing that well and you still lose the game when your starter is being that carefree with the ball, the questions have to be asked. And, and Josh Allen is uh, coming into quite a, a, a pivotal part of his young career, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one because I, I did sort of... It's frustrating because I felt like at the time when he left the field, it, it cost the Bills momentum. It felt like actually he was just perhaps finding his 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 mojo a little bit but i read an analysis um just this morning i think it was on on the ringer um which uh described his three interceptions as all falling all falling into the same category Allen launching a ball downfield just to see how far he could throw it and sometimes <laughs> that is how it feels yeah. with him i mean you look at these passes and they're really they're really hard to justify they're all into either double or triple coverage there doesn't seem to be any sort of I mean, there's definitely no finesse on them. It just feels like he's just decided that now is the moment that he has to take his shot. And so he's just doing it. And it, it backfired again and again for him. Um, so yes, I, I think, um, I think it, it, it feels like he's, his sort of mental progression in the NFL has not happened yet. He hasn't shown us that he can think about this game in a more intelligent way. Having said that, Matt Barkley, who came in to replace him, also gets picked off. Yeah. Is a more, 
I think you could see with Barkley that he can he can read the game better, he analyzes the field better, but he hasn't got the arm to execute on it. So yeah. it's not like Alan has someone breathing down his neck. Yeah, the really good point. He's not, they're not going to bench him for Matt Barkley yeah. uh, anytime soon. Uh, let's go on to Minshew Mania because I know you want to get into Gardner Minshew. The Jags' uh, new superstar gets it done again in Denver, which is not an easy place to go for a young quarterback, even if this Broncos side is not a vintage. Uh, team by any stretch of the imagination 26 24 it was uh, a thriller he got sacked five times as well so one bright point for denver is their defense finally bearing its teeth uh, but a little help from leonard fournette as well he's running back finally nicky bringing the kind of game we know that he can with that 81 yard of uh, uh for starters and, and an altogether different kind of team when their running game is doing something even remotely resembling a potent rushing attack when Fournette brings it they are, they're a serious proposition yeah I mean what's interesting is that despite getting all that 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 traction on the ground which they really did get they still didn't actually um manage to protect Minshew with any sort of consistency I mean you mentioned the sacks but um I was thinking about it when we talked about that Kyle Allen escape from JJ Watt earlier mm. in the game how many times in this game did Minshew look like he was done and then pull a play out of somewhere. Kept it I mean, going, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, there was the one where, if I'm not mistaken, the ball literally comes out of his hands, hits the ground, and he picks it up and, and still finds a way to complete a pass out of it. Yeah. I mean, that one, yeah, was, was only for about a yard game, but it still was better than taking a sack. Yeah. Um, and, and his sort of improvisation was extraordinary. Um, but unquestionably, this Jaguars offense is going to go so, so much better if you can get... Um, for net loose and perhaps you know perhaps they were even taking advantage of the fact that you had a a, a broncos defense that, that that is excellent at rushing the passer or certainly can be anyway has the tools to be um and which was really teeing off on Minshew and, and felt like they could get to him perhaps that created some of the lanes for Fournette to expose but i mean Minshew being able to make miracles time and again isn't hurting either. Yeah, no, he's, he, again, it, it's the way he's playing. As you rightly say that is, I think is not just his dash, but it's, uh, it's, it's his play as well. It's getting in this cult status and he rolls again. Uh, he's in a much better position than, than Kirk Cousins under fire. Once again, poor Kirk Cousins. Well, mm. as much sympathy as you can have for a man who's got about $700 million, given all the <laughs> that he's had over the years, uh, absolutely terrorized by a Bears D that was without uh, Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith as well. They're out with two of their heavyweights and they were absolutely terrifying. Uh, I think it's fair to say next gen stats uh, summarized it perfectly with this one. He, he cousins, this is completed just two of four pass attempts uh, of 10 plus air yards. <laughs> so uh, wow. that sums up the kind of afternoon evening uh, he had. Um, Got a tweet in, Nikki from Jamie. Uh, how do they move on from that contract? Uh, talking about uh, whether they move on from Cousins. Do they need to, do you think? Or is this another example of ridiculous overreaction? Or is he, is he really you know, hamstringing this side that should be otherwise serious contenders? It's frustrating because as I've already sort of done a couple of times in this show, I, I don't like having to bracket sort of quarterbacks only into great or awful. And I think we know with Cousins now he doesn't fit into either of those brackets. Yeah. But what is true is that you've invested $28 million a, a year into him. And you've done that because you want to presumably win your division and go to uh, the playoffs. And if you want to do that in the NFC um, North, you have to be able to beat the Chicago Bears. We know the Chicago Bears have a great defense. And 
right now he can't. Like he hasn't shown that he's capable of of, of ra- raising his level in the most important game that his team plays. Um, it's the big games, isn't it? It's a one or two. I think in a, a storming Thanksgiving game and uh, a couple of other big performances. But yeah, when it seems to come to the crunch is when he when he's concerningly uh, absent. Quick one uh, for mm-hmm. you: Dwayne Haskins coming in for Washington, uh, of course, lost mm. to the Giants, and uh, Daniel Jones bagging another win. It was a more mixed day for him, but he still got got the win. But Haskins really struggled, didn't he? So, so yes, we, you know, I, I'm I'm not sort of here to sort of kill Dwayne Haskins for struggling on a, a bad team, and what a horrible situation to be thrown into as a rookie as well, because that team is dysfunctional in about a hundred different ways at the moment. <laughs> um, but but Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones can play. Daniel Jones is is really sort of um, exciting, uh, especially sort of when you think about how down on the pick so many Giants fans were and um yeah. certainly for a, a you know in terms of analyzing it as a rookie on rookie battle there was only one winner I've got a a game to wrap things up because uh we should pay some attention to the running order <laughs> seeing as we yes. wrote, wrote it earlier. <laughs> you're going to rank uh, the quarterback some of the quarterbacks we've just mentioned and uh, pick which one you'd have as your franchise quarterback so if you were taking over a franchise right now uh-huh. five to one you've yeah. got Garda Minshew, of course. You've got mm-hmm. Dwayne Haskins. You've got yeah. Daniel Jones. And based on what you just said, I'm expecting he's going to be quite high. I'm going to throw Mitch yeah. Trubisky in the mix as well. Yeah. Just to, just to mix things up a little bit. And then Kirk Cousins. So you've got Minshew, Haskins, right. Jones, Trubisky, and Kirk Cousins. Five to one. Yeah. Who are you having? So you're on the worst first? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this is feels mean. Whoever I do feels mean. Um. I think I'm putting Trubisky in at five because I think, unfortunately, we, we do. Again, he's one of those players who I think we, we've seen enough of him now to know who he is. And I don't believe that he is going to become something more than what we've seen so far. Yeah. So he goes there. So Haskins um, gets a bonus because we don't really know what we're getting yet. Well, this is the thing. Um, I'm now sort of in a in a coin toss between sort of devil you know and devil you don't here. I think I'm going to put Kirk Cousins at number four because, again, I think he's a significantly better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. I think Kirk Cousins can, you can go to the playoffs with Kirk Cousins. You can maybe even win a couple of playoff games with him, um, which I don't know. Well, I suppose Trubisky can get you to the playoffs with that Bears defense, but whether or not, um, whether or not, uh, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't see another level to either of these guys. I, mm. I, I think I, um, I see them where they are. And I'll put Haskins at number three as a midpoint just because to me he's an unknown quantity. Look, he's, he's a player who came into the, the, the NFL with a huge, um, reputation. You don't go in, in the, the top of the draft if you don't have that, um, in the first round, but, but I don't know. So he's at number three. And then I have this dilemma between, uh, Jones and Minshew. And I think that Jones would probably still be like the, the sensible, the betting choice to put number one. But I'm, I'm a little bit in love with Minshew mania right now. So I'm going to go with Jones too. And I'm going to have Gardner Minshew, um, performing his, uh, I don't know what to call it. Some sort of, um, samurai water dance in the backfield, eluding everybody and, uh, and somehow coming out with the ball at the end of it. Uh, a fine choice and uh, and uh, very thoroughly explained there so I'm with you I'll, I'll back you on that one Gardner all the way long may Minshew mania rain terrific stuff uh, Nikki always great I'm to- pretty sure I've, I've mixed like two different things completely there with the samurai and the water, water dance I've got like a more of a Game of Thrones provozzi idea in my head and I've <laughs> somehow applied samurai Japanese culture to it which is just totally off so <laughs> it just sums up Minshew I knew exactly what you meant and I was with you 100%. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there we go. Nailed it. Uh, Nikki, great to catch up with you. We'll check in with you soon. And of course, this is can get you on ESPN's other brilliant podcast, the Siri Awesome Pod. With, yes, uh, they can. Ab yeah. and uh, Amina Razuki as well. So uh, when's the next one of those coming out? So the next one of those is on Thursday, but actually I won't be on this week because oh. I'm traveling. But um, normally it's on a Tuesday unless it's Champions League week. Champions League weeks, we come out on Thursday. Uh, there you go. Busy all week uh, for you as well. You can listen, download, subscribe to that on all good pod catches. Nikki, look after yourself. We'll check in with you soon. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Terrific stuff there from Nikki Bandini. Always good to catch up uh, with Nikki. Uh, we will hear more from her throughout the course of the season. You can count on it. As I said at the top, we're back Wednesday from Raiders training. Me and I, Mike, he's going to give us his top five international series moments of all time. So I'm looking forward to getting into that uh, and deep diving into some of the other big stories from around the NFL. If you haven't already subscribed to us, wherever you listen to us, whichever podcatcher, uh, you get your episode uh, subscribe to us and you won't miss a trick because we're dropping four a week this season. And if you have time, it's a favor to ask, go and drop uh, a nice review of us as well. If you're able to on uh, the podcast that you listen to us on, we would appreciate that. And it makes uh, Ollie and Harry, our production team, very happy bunnies indeed. So uh, go and do it to put smiles on their faces. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We're back Wednesday with our mic. See you then, gang. Podcast Network.